the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The book of Proverbs has little to say about the life to come, but it sure has a lot to say about the life we're living now. This is Bert Harper along with Dr. Alex McFarlane, and it's our joy to be with you today on Exploring the Word. Uh, last week, we finished the Gospel of John. Alex and I were talking about it, and what a joy it was. Uh, we had so many people that just responded so well to John, being saved, getting right with the Lord, praying for others. But to this this next se- season of Bible study, we're focusing on practical living, and uh, we need that in 2023. Alex, when I think of Proverbs, I think of living Life with wisdom. What about you? Well, absolutely. Proverbs is like a, an education. I mean, it is the Word of God, and it's everybody knows, most everybody would know that it is the, the book of wisdom. And what's interesting about the Old Testament and really Jewish uh, history in general is the premium they placed on wisdom. And wisdom comes from God, uh, not the ways of man, but the revelation of God. And uh, it's just renowned. The wisest man that ever lived was the man that asked God for wisdom, Solomon. King Solomon had uh, a really kind of a blank check. God said, you know, Solomon, make a request and I'll grant it. Now, can you imagine... um, I think in asking for wisdom, Solomon showed already that he had a big measure of wisdom. Would you agree? I agree with that. That's in First Kings chapter three. Yes. If you'll find that, and and again, he demonstrated that. But again, it shows you if you have wisdom, but then you don't follow the instruction of that wisdom, it doesn't complete the task. And so in Proverbs chapter 1, I just want to read this so you'll see it in verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction. You have, it's not only having the wisdom, but it's the instruction of carrying it out. And that's what the book of Proverbs is all about. Most, I think, during the period of time when Solomon was writing these Proverbs, collecting those Proverbs, Hezekiah, that uh, he was in the midst of the strongest time of his life. Uh, later on, because of his marriage to many women uh, that were, just put it this way, pagan, uh, his heart was uh, begun, and it was very distorted. But here in the book of Proverbs, God let this happen. Now, Alex, mm-hmm. he had over 3,000 of them that he had collected, but not all of them are in the Scriptures. That yeah. gives me, and I want to ask you this, that gives me the strength to believe The ones that God had put in here are the ones that we can rely upon as being uh, truthful about life. Well, amen, amen. And, you know, what we're going to try to do, folks, if you're just tuning in to Exploring the Word today, it's a great day because we're just now starting our study of Proverbs, and we're going to try to take a chapter a day, and we'll do this in about a month. I know sometimes... Sometimes we have the car in slow gear. Sometimes we have the car in high gear. When yeah. you and I went through the Gospel of John just recently, we, we really did take our time on that because that's just so rich, and so is this. But uh, Proverbs is a, the book of wisdom, uh, and we're going to get into this because you know, you've got your main uh, communicators of God's truth. You've got King Solomon, then you've got more of Solomon's Proverbs that were recorded by um, the men of Hezekiah, and then you've got the Proverbs of Lemuel. But let me just say this as we we get into it. You know, there's a very famous quote by the playwright George Bernard Shaw. He said, what a pity that youth is wasted on the young. (laughs) And, Bert, I've got to tell you, um, as, as a recovering knucklehead, I repent of those days when I thought I knew it all. <laughs> and the the more I grew up, I realized uh, mom and dad were pretty wise because they believed God's Word. And uh, the, the older voices in my life of some pastors and grandparents, uh, and then the Scriptures themselves, I began to realize that I wasn't 
as smart as I thought I was, and and I needed wisdom from the Lord. And in the book of Proverbs, that's where we find it, isn't it? It really is. Now, let me say there's the wisdom literature, and that includes Job, Ecclesiastes, and uh, here in Proverbs. They're full of wisdom. There's a lot of uh, they they answer the hard questions of life. They're not afraid to ask them. Warren Wiersbe said this, though, about uh, Proverbs, and I, I agree with him. Keep in mind, Proverbs are generalized statements of what is usually true in life. They, it needs to be very careful to be treated, each one of them treated like a promise. And, Alex, I find that so true because there are exceptions to a soft answer turns away wrath. Uh, I guess what? I've given soft answers before, and it's made people even more angry sometimes. So, but, yeah. yeah. So these are principles. These, but I call many of them are principles with promise. Is that with, now that's, Bert, that's brilliant. I, I've thought about it and thought about it, Alex, because I know, uh, people want to prompt, but there are principles with promise. In other words, uh, this is going to work out, but let me just tell you. Regardless of what it is, you trust God, don't you? That you do. wisdom is trusting God more. Than, uh, the greatest wisdom I have is trusting God. I'll put it that way. Well, Amen, Amen. End of that's easy to say, but do you know what, folks? I believe life presents us with glorious opportunities, brilliantly disguised as insoluble problems, and you know it may be you know relationships, family, work, money, our health. A lot of things, um, overcoming, you know, uh, emotional pain. But here's the thing. Life is an exercise in learning to trust God. Now, the good news is the Lord is absolutely trustworthy. And if you, if you learn that wonderful adventure of walking by faith and trusting Jesus Christ, you'll want to trust him all the more. Now, l- let me read just a little bit. We're in Proverbs chapter 1. Here's some of the purpose of this. In verse 4, it says, To give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. So God is telling us here that if we we give heed to his words, we'll increase in learning, uh, we'll uh, attain to wise counsel. If we receive wise counsel, we ourselves will become wise. What a promise. Amen. And and this is the purpose. Verses 2 through 7, or really 2 through 6, and then 7 is a generalized statement about it. This is the purpose, to equip us. That's the whole idea. When you read verse 2 through 6, to know wisdom, to receive instruction, to give prudence, to understand, this is the purpose of the book of Proverbs. And so God wanted us to live wise lives. Now, you say, this is the Old Testament. Let me read you a, a New Testament verse. This is Ephesians 5.15. Walk carefully or circumspectly, not as fools, but guess what? As wise. And so the Proverbs is one of those 31 chapters. Read a proverb a day for a month, for a year. And, and I'm just telling you, you it will benefit you. There's wisdom in the book of Proverbs, and here in verses 2 through 6, Alex, that you read most of, this is it. It gives you prudence. It gives you wisdom. It gives you understanding. It gives you judgment. The benefits of Proverbs are great, brother. They they really are. And, of course, verse 7, very famously, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Uh, You know, Bert, I... There, there are so many things that modern man has thought he accomplished, and uh, nowadays, sadly, we've lived in a time when atheism has uh, taken a, a, a foothold, as it does about every 50 years. I was talking to a pastor friend earlier today, and he was talking about how um, up in New England, it's hard for the gospel to get a hearing, and there's so much in Boston and uh, the the New England, of course, New York City and all, that man thinks he has achieved. And, I mean, if you look at skyscrapers and paved highways, you, you might think we humans have done some things. But really, the, the path of wisdom begins with acknowledging that we are not God. We need God. Uh, the fear of the Lord—and the word fear there means, like, reverence, 
uh, worship, acknowledgement of. But the surest way to be unwise, in fact, I would say foolish, is to put God out of the equation. You're exactly right, Alex. And this is what you find in the first chapters. You have a dichotomy here, wisdom or foolishness. Which one will you be? Mm. You'll have them demonstrated as a foolish woman, a foolish man, a wise man, uh, you know, wise son. 125 times is the number that you'll find the word wise or wisdom used in these 31 chapters, 125. And then notice what else. You find this right at the beginning in verse 8, my son. You know I'm going to, you know, look at repeated Mm -hmm. phrases or words. Uh, My son is going to be used about 22 times in the whole. So, Alex, what you have here is a wise father kind of instructing his son. Now, again, uh, Solomon is writing this out. And if we could receive this, notice what it says in the first part of verse 8. My son, hear the instructions of your father and do not forsake the law of your mother. Here again, we have marriage. We have family. Not two men, not two women. Why is that so important? Because God has made men and women different. Uh, You know, adventurers. Men are the ones that's usually more adventurous than, than the mother. The mother is usually more nurturing. And so each one of those brings what I want to say balance to the life. And so, Alex, here's the whole idea of the fear of God being put in by the mother and father. That's uh, that's God's ways. That's that's God's way he intended it to happen, wasn't it? Well, you know, uh, children need a mother and father. Children need a mother and father. And my goodness, uh, the human race has done its share of foolish things. But I think in our own times, I mean, you think about just the the hubris, the arrogance, to think that we could redefine marriage, to think that we could do without the home, and now to think that a male could turn into a female or vice versa. Uh, It reminds me of Romans. It says, you know, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Folks, trusting God, His Word, His truth, the Bible— that is the beginning of wisdom. It really is. And if you look at these first words and you'll find discretion in words like that, uh, we get our word science from it. In other words, real science. They've talked about true science. True science comes from God, not man made up, but we discover and God reveals to us that science. Alex and Bert here, and we'll be back with more right after this break. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65+. plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other, too. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment, and if you join right now before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. What if that supposedly insurmountable problem in your life wasn't your problem anymore? Dr. Tony Evans says that's exactly what happens when we let the power of God take over. He'll tell us how that transfer takes place as we spend two minutes with Tony. In football, my son Jonathan was a fullback. A fullback's job is to run through the line and open up a hole in one of the gaps for the halfback. That's one of his main jobs. The quarterback receives the ball. The linemen at first are coming after the quarterback because the quarterback has the ball. But when the quarterback hands off the ball to the halfback, everybody shifts to go after the halfback now. Jonathan's job was to block them on the shift. You've shifted the problem to somebody else. You may have the problem right now, but when you get your praise on, you've shifted it over to God. That's why when David was facing Goliath, he shifted it over to God. He said, no, you're messing with God now. 
He said, big boy is big, but he ain't that big because I know somebody bigger. When you learn to shift your pain, your problem, your dilemma, your coronas over to God, now you have somebody bigger than the problem you face and the problem that the medical environment faces that's worldwide. It's time to shift that thing over. It's time to give that thing over. The Bible says in your praise, Psalm 50 verse 23 is your deliverance, that God will deliver you in your praise. You say, but my problem hasn't been solved yet. Get your praise on. What am I praising for when my problem hasn't been solved? I'm praising for the God who can solve it. So the more fearful you get, the more enclosed you feel, get your praise on. Learn how to build your life on a bedrock of faith strong enough to stand up to hard times. Check out Tony's CD series, Clarity in a Crisis, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. But he saves the poor from the sword of their mouth and from the hand of the strong. So the helpless has hope and injustice has shut its mouth. American Family Radio. And the Salvation Army Band is playing this hymn. And your grace rings out so deep, it makes my resistance seem so thin. So hold me, Jesus, cause I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs is wonderful. You know, in verse 10 of chapter 1, it says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. And it goes on and it says that the, the feet of evil are hasty to shed blood, verse 16. Welcome back to Exploring the Word, Alex and Bert. You know, I want to comment really on uh, one of the things about the Word of God. It talks about the value of human life. And here at the American Family Association, we with the deepest of all convictions, we believe in the sacredness of every human life. And Bert, you know, uh, January is Sanctity of Human Life Month, and we we try to participate in something called preborn that saves lives. And let us tell you a little bit about this because we want to see four thousand lives saved. And there, there's a very accessible way that we can all play a role in that, isn't it, Bert? It really is. And preborn and American Family Association have worked together for years. Honestly, I love it. Dan Steiner, the director, and he is a great man of God. He's been with us on exploring the word two or three times uh, a year, usually because of uh, the NRB and Kim coming here. But it's a joy. But we they purchase ultrasounds, and they purchase those ultrasounds, and they put them in clinics, uh, the, the pregnancy crisis pregnancy center, that's, and they get an ultrasound, and they, they're put, putting it close to uh, where they usually have a, 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 an abortion clinic, Alex, the only mm. thing I know to call it. In yeah. other words, it gives them an alternative. And matter of fact, let me give you some numbers here. This is astonishing. 450,000 women have come into preborn clinics considering abortion, and more than 200 lives of the babies have been saved. But listen to this, 65,000 women have surrendered their lives to Christ. So let me just tell you, this is evangelistic. This is missional. And uh, so churches supporting their crisis pregnancy centers is real. And now with the abortion pill, with Roe v. v. Wade being reversed, uh, abortion pill has become the the most common way to try to do it. Mm. But if they can get to that clinic here and see an ultrasound, they would not purchase that abortion pill. And so, Alex, yeah. here's how you can do it. You can send $28, and that will pay for an ultrasound for one child, one mother. And you can send $140, and that pays for five ultrasounds. And our goal is 4,000 babies saved in 23, 2023. Amen. Now, here's the number. Write this number down. It is 877 616 2396 877 2396 again 616 yeah 877 616 2396 or right. easier than that you can go online at afr.net and use that's mm. the first banner you see 
Amen. Amen. Well, what a worthwhile thing. And, you know, Bert, th- there are some things that God just smiles on and puts his hand on and wa- saving the unborn, the value of human life. And uh, there's a lot we could say about that. And this week we will reference that several times. But, you know, Bert, in Proverbs chapter one, there's just amazing wisdom. I got to tell you, I've always loved the book of Proverbs and I, I've read it throughout my Christian life. Um, there's just a great uh, picture here in, in verses 10 through 14. It says, look, um, if somebody tries to entice you and you can just picture like a, a gang says, hey, let's work together. We're going to uh, kill somebody and rob them and uh, we will fill our house with spoil and throw in with us. Let's have one purse and if you get tempted to do something like that, it says, don't walk in the way of, of those, those evildoers. Don't put your foot on that path. Their feet run to evil and make haste to shed blood. Now, before we move on, let me just say this. Um, the, the one that has murderous intention or greedy, uh, thieving schemes, you know who they're really going to harm themselves? Because we're talking not only about the body, but the soul. And you know, Bert, on the issue of life, you know, I, I think about the people over the last five decades that have made a, a billion-dollar industry out of the killing of the, for the unborn. Can you imagine standing before God one day? Uh, what did you do with your life? Well, I defended the killing of millions of human beings made in the image of God. I mean, you know, I, my heart grieves for the cultural and moral state of our country, but I grieve for the soul of the people that have been behind all this. I agree with you fully. And I, I just want to tell you, you get your heart right with God, know Jesus Christ as Savior, learn more about him, what he said, what he said about life, what he said about marriage, what he said, you will come on the side of life. You really will. If you don't, if you say, well, I'm a follower of Christ and I still believe it. I want to just tell you, I'll make it plain. You have a distorted view of what Jesus says and who he is. Preach. This verse says it all. Verse 15, my son, do not walk in the way with them. Now, the way is always the way you go, direction. Do not walk with them. Don't start the journey. Now, this is the amazing thing of Proverbs. It not only warns you about going that way, but it also, if you go that way, it gives you the ability and the knowledge and the wisdom to get out of the wrong way and get on the right way. So yes. uh, so this these Proverbs are so strong. Keep your foot from their path. Don't go the way of the wicked. For their right. feet, again, you've already read verse 16, but let me read it again. For their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Alex, mm. here when we're promoting preborn, Listen, that's exactly what to do, shedding the blood of those innocent children, and it's honestly hurting the, the, the mother. I want to just tell you, the mothers, many of them, unless their hearts are so cold, and, and I wonder if they really feel that way or if they're defending what they've done, uh, they're taking, the life of that child is being taken from them. And so let's stand strong. So, yes, one more thing, and I'll throw it back to you. Going down to verse 20, there's three different groups of people that he tells to seek wisdom. It says wisdom calls along, but listen to verse 20 long, uh, 22. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Now, here's the way of folly. Simple ones, those that just, they believe anything. Those that are scorners, those that doubt and base anything that God has done, and then the fools that are easily led astray. So here, don't be simple in that simple-minded. Now, there's a difference in simplicity and simple-minded. And don't be simple-minded that you believe any and everything. The Bible says count the cost before you go to war. The Bible says test the spirits to see if they be of God. And then scorners that I mean, that's all they do. They scorn truth, and then the fool is following his own folly. Alex, these are the three mm-hmm. categories that Solomon puts these people who are practicing foolishness and not wisdom in. Well, and, and that's—we all should want to be a wise son. 
uh, and we listen to truth, not a scorner, not somebody who foolishly pushes God's revelation aside. 20 through 24, uh, it talks about wisdom cries out. She utters her voice in the streets. In other words, everybody knows. Now, somebody might have a, a deeper knowledge of God than somebody else, but Bert, when it talks about wisdom cries out and wisdom is calling, yeah, I, I think we're talking about the voice of the Holy Spirit. You know, we we can talk, we can say conscience, and and Bert, I was um, traveling over the weekend to this youth camp, and I stopped, and uh, I just came. I was in a, a grocery store actually to get some food to take with me, and I saw a gospel tract, and wonderful, a gospel tract, and hope somebody saw that, and maybe even driving down the road, you see a church. And it reminds you, maybe you ought to get back in church. Or maybe you've got someone in your life who speaks truth to you. Bert, I honestly think the Lord tries to get our attention in 10,000 ways over this journey called life. Do you agree? I agree. Let me tell you something that happened here in Tupelo, Mississippi, where our headquarters was. I pastored here for 28 years, West Jackson Street Baptist Church. During that period of time, uh, we had to build uh, a new worship center, and I say that had. I'm not a builder of buildings. <laughs> I love to build lives. That's the whole thing. But, but we had a steeple, and it was pretty big. It's pretty bright, and we shined the lights on it at night as a testimony. And there was this child and his mama coming along, and it was new for them, and they saw that, and that child asked the mother, what is that? What does that mean? And she was away from God. But because of her background that was taught right, she knew truth, and she began to tell her son about the one way to heaven, that steeple pointing toward heaven and the cross, and that's the way you get it. And they, well, they, they did get right with God. And so God is at work with church steeples. God is at work Amen. with the tracks. God is uh, working with radio and so, Alex, yes, God's message of truth is going to go forth, and you said it well. Verse 20, wisdom calls aloud outside. We as the church, we are called on to share the good news, and mm. uh, we're, we're to cry it aloud. We're not to keep silent on this. We're to let it be heard from generation to generation. Well, verse 25, God, this is a, a, a very sober warning to any of us. He says, but you have set at naught all of my counsel and would none of my reproof, and I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when fear cometh. In other words, imagine you live your life and you say, Psh, I don't need that. Oh, all that Bible stuff, I don't really need that. Then the day comes and you need the Lord and you don't even know how to find him. Uh, and that's why, let me say, folks, yes, God loves you. Yes, Christ will forgive any sin. You just ask him. But you have no guarantee of tomorrow. And I, there are people that they thought they would deal with God one of these days, and heaven forbid, something like a car wreck or a brain aneurysm. Bert, I've been in ministry long enough. I've done several funerals of people who just unexpectedly passed. And you have no guarantee of tomorrow, but you have this moment to call out to the Lord and and do it while you have your mind and your faculties and you understand that you're a sinner and Jesus died on the cross for you. Um, verse 30. Well, verse says, before you do, before you do, read yeah. verse 28 one more time and then go Amen. to 30. This is powerful. Uh, go ahead and read 28 one the, more time. Then, then shall, to- shall they call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me early, but shall not find me, for that they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord and would none of my counsel. Mm-hmm. Um, let, let me say this. Um, God is merciful, but God is holy. And listen, uh, you don't dabble or trifle with the Lord. You know, God offers salvation, but we don't just come to God when we... Uh, good and well feel like it. I mean, the Spirit of the Lord has to be drawing Amen. you. That's the whole idea. Today yeah. is the day of salvation. You do not put it off. Procrastination is one of the most dangerous things that you can ever do concerning your relationship with God. You know, verse 18 is a lot like verse 31. Uh, verse 18, speaking of people that murder, it says they really lay in wait for their own blood. 
they lurk privately for their own lives. Verse 31 says, therefore shall they eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with their own devices. Um, Let me say, um, if you trust Jesus and you're a believer, um, you may not leave this world with much money or, or all of the trophies that the world says account for things. But you know what? If you leave this world with righteousness and your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, that is life's greatest achievement and reward, right? But imagine uh, you live your life and all you've got to show for it is sin, selfishness, darkness, lies, immorality, and you, you face God as First John chapter 2 says, the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Look, one day you're going to stand before God, we all will, if you'll put your faith in Jesus, his righteousness is credited to you. Your name is in his book. His Holy Spirit has sealed you. Don't, don't go into eternity with the fruit of your own sin. Amen. Go into eternity with God's gift of redemption. Verses 32 and 33 explain that fully, Alex. It comes to the conclusion of this first chapter, and notice the contrast. For the running away of the simple will slay them. If they run away from wisdom, you remember wisdom cries out outside. If you run away from it, it will slay them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. The com- oh, it's all right. It's really not that way. But listen to verse 33. But whoever listens to me will dwell safe. If you listen to wisdom, and you said that was kind of a picture of Jesus Christ, and I agree with you, the Holy Spirit drawing them. But whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Now, look at those words, safely and secure. That is only through a relationship. It's not through how much money you have, not through how much education you have, not how many relationships or how many friends you have on Facebook. You know, people say, oh, man, I've got 2,000 followers. Listen, that's not who's following. Who who are you following? Are you following Jesus Christ? That's who you need to follow. Whoever listens to me will dwell in safe, will dwell safely, and will be secure without fear of evil. Alex, mm. that is a promise. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, we've got a brief break. We're going to take telephone calls, and if you've got a Bible question or a comment, we would love to hear from you. The number, toll-free number, is triple eight five eight nine eighty eight forty. 888-589-8840. We would love for you to participate in the conversation on today's edition of Exploring the Word. Stay with us. We're back after this. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA believes that all men and women, whether in private or public, should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. Hannah's Heart, a half-hour program specifically designed to encourage Christian couples walking through infertility and miscarriage. This is not a show that's going to promise you a certain outcome, Mm -hmm. but this is a show that says however God answers your cry, we know that He's enough. Hannah's Heart with Ann Cockrell and Kendra White each Saturday afternoon at 5 Central on American Family Radio. You can find the podcast at AFR.net. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality is changing hearts and lives. It speaks directly to the power and the grace of God. Gives me hope for people that I know that are struggling. The whole idea of In His Image has moved me. 
We actually had one gentleman contact us, and he said that this film changed his mind about this issue. We had a pastor reach out to us, and he said that he'd been struggling with hatred in his heart towards people in the LGBTQ community, and this film helped him to realize he needed to have compassion and show people the love of Christ. We also had this same-sex-attracted couple contact us, and they said after seeing the film, they wanted to live obedient lives for Christ no matter what, and they said, please. Please pray for us. We know this is going to be hard. We've even had people come to faith in Jesus through In His Image. To find out more, visit inhisimage.movie. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When queried by the Pharisees concerning the greatest commandment, Jesus answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. He then said the second greatest commandment is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't simply say you shall love your neighbor. He said Christ followers must love our neighbors as ourselves. Christian duty requires us to employ discernment and active empathy. We worship our Lord when we put ourselves in one another's shoes as we do life together and resolve misunderstandings. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. If you've got a question for us, we're going to try to get to as many calls as we can. That's our New Year's resolution. We've done pretty good most of the days doing that. (laughs) But let me give you one more number. This is not the number you call for a question. This is those that would want to minister evangelistically, uh, missionally, morally for life to help pre-born Make a difference in people's lives. That number, write it down, 877-616-2396, gets an ultrasound free for a, a, a lady, and then 145 free ultrasound. So we hope that you'll call. Well, Alex, Amen. we've got people that's been calling. We're excited about talking to them on the phone, aren't we? Amen. Amen. The number, if you have a Bible question, it's 888-589-8840. And we're going to begin our day in the great state of Texas. Rick in Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, man. God bless you. I listen to your messages every day, but I got a question, Dan, that I think is going to be a great one. Okay. I want to know, you know, the last we heard of Jesus as a child— uh, 13, maybe, maybe 12, reading scripture. Okay. From that point, we did not hear from Christ again until he was like 33 years of age or 32 years of age. During that transaction, where did Christ go? Did Christ possibly go back to heaven? Uh, did, did Christ have a diary of what happened to him in those years? It just, I just wonder because it seems like we don't pay enough attention to what, what was Christ's life during the time he was growing up. What other things did he do or perform in those years that we don't know about? Rick, great question. I agree with you. Believe it or not, that is directly answered in the Bible, in the mm-hmm. book of Luke, chapter 2. Now, Rick, if you have your Bible and you can turn there, it talks about what you were talking about, him going to Jerusalem when he was 12 years old. Alex, just let me read verses 51 and 52, and if you want to make any comments further, go ahead and do so. Then he, Jesus, went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart, and Jesus, during this period of time that you were asking about, Rick, Jesus increased in wisdom and stature, and in favor with God and men. Go ahead, Alex. Well, Bert, um, the bottom line is that apart from the Scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, there is no definitive, reliable record. We simply don't know. Now, 
in the late 1800s, theories begin to surface, but they were all theories, and even secular historians say that there is no reliable record uh, of of from 12 to 30. So do you know what I think it was? Let me say two things. I think this adds credibility to the fact that the Gospels were given by the Holy Spirit. Because, Bert, I mean, you think about it. If humans were merely making up the record of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, surely a human writer just creating fiction would have crafted some story or narrative. And we've got Jesus, the boy in the temple at age 12, and then we've got the Lord beginning his ministry. God told us maybe not everything we want to hear, but what we need to hear. So do you know what I think? Um, As some history has indicated, at some point Joseph passed away. I think Jesus, um, the best conclusion is, I think he was being a, a godly, observant Jew. He was caring for his mother and family. Um, he was growing in wisdom and favor and stature with God and man. And um, at age 30, when he presented himself as the Messiah and began his ministry, um, I think all of those years he was being a godly uh, Jewish young man who happened to be the incarnate Son of God en route to be our Savior. Amen. I think John adds to that when his first miracle uh, in Cana, it says in verse 11, John chapter 2, this beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan, manifested his glory, and his disciples believed on him. So, Rick, uh, when he was a boy, there's not any evidence of him doing some miracles. You know, some people picture him doing that. I don't believe this. if they were public miracles uh, and everybody knew it, and I believe his brothers would have already believed on him, but they did not do that until after the resurrection. I think the people of Nazareth would not have said, is this not the carpenter's son? That is right, all yes. right. You remember all the miracles he did when he was a boy? No, he was subject to them growing. Uh, so I, I love the simplicity of it myself now. That, but and I, Bert. I'm, go ahead, Alex. Well, you hit the nail on the head. I'll say this. We'll move on. Matthew thirteen fifty five. They said, is this not the carpenter's son? I think that's a clue to what Jesus had been doing. Yes, it he is. Was, he was Joseph's son, uh, the carpenter. And i, I got to say this, and we'll go to Jason in Ohio. I just think it's beautiful that uh, God incarnate, God the Creator, when God came onto the stage of human history, he was born into a carpentry family, <laughs> because what do carpenters do? They build things. Amen. Well, uh, Jason in Ohio, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, good afternoon. I won't keep you long, but it was uh, James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 was brought to my attention this morning. And I wanted to get your guys' thoughts on what a double-minded man is. Thank you. Let me start it. Alex, and we'll, I think we can do this short. The Bible says you cannot serve God and mammon. Uh, mammon is money. You can't serve God in mammon. When you try, you're double-minded. When you're trying to live like the world and be friends of the world, and at the same time having your feet in heaven, that is double-minded. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the prefix di, die, like dichotomy, that means two different options, right? Or, or uh, duplicitous, two different things. Well, the word there in James 1, uh, double-minded, is really the word dipsychos in the Greek, P-S-Y-C-O, so two minds. A double-minded man is unstable in his ways. You know, you can't have one foot in the things of the Lord and one foot in the things of, of sin. I mean, so God is calling us to be single-minded, that Jesus is Lord of all. And so a double-minded man, uh, it's it's almost a kind of, Mental and spiritual schizophrenia, isn't it, Bert? <laughs> good, good word for that, Alex. Kent in Alabama. Kent, thank you for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, I appreciate y'all taking my call. I listen to y'all a lot, enjoy you, and appreciate what y'all are doing. Uh, I just had a question, really, I guess, for Alex. Uh, I'm wanting to do a, a study at my church. I pastor a church and uh, want to do an apologetic study. Uh, I was wondering if you would have a recommendation for me. Wow. Well, 
Praise God. Uh, and by the way, uh, bless you in your pastoring of a flock. Um, let me say there, we, we live in a golden age of apologetics, really. And folks, in case you're wondering, apologetics, it's not apologizing, but it's defending the faith. Um, 1 Peter 3.15, giving a reason why we believe what we believe. So let me throw a couple of options out there. For one, if you want a book, I wrote a book some years ago called The Ten Most Common Objections to Christianity and How to Answer Them, and it's published by Bethany House Publishers, which is a part of Baker. And in the back of each the the book, it's got a 12-week small group Uh, And it's written at about a 7th grade reading level. We talk about creation versus evolution, the Bible. So I would recommend my book, The Ten Most Common Objections. Then something that's really kind of for parents, I did a film series with American Family Studios, The 21 Toughest Questions Your Kids Will Ask. And it's really apologetics, and there's seven hours of DVD, a leader's guide, and it's very affordable. Many churches have used it, and you'll find that at the AFA store. Uh, And Bert, you and I need to do a show on this, because if I name names like Lee Strobel, Josh McDowell, Chuck Colson, The Truth Project, Uh, Frank Turek, um, Bert, we really are living in a great age to get strong and defend the faith. We are. Let me pastor. Kent, let me say this. Work in apologetics in your sermons. Uh, don't necessarily wait to do, okay, I'm going to wait and do apologetics. No, you can do apologetics while you're doing, while you're preaching the book of John. Uh, yesterday at Auburn Baptist Church here in Tupelo, I worked in some apologetics to how to defend the faith concerning who Jesus Christ is. So keep on doing that as well as what you're going to do and taking a specific group through that. Great idea. May may your tribe increase, Kent. Amen. Uh, Isaac in, in, I believe, Iowa. Do, do I have it right, Isaac? Are you in Iowa? Yes, sir. I'm in Iowa. Wow. Well, God bless you. Thanks for holding. I was, uh, I wanted to call because I suffer from severe PTSD. I was in the Marine Corps for 15 years, and it's it's hard for me to move forward and, and to trust in God. And because there's so much pain, I believe in Him. I know Him. I felt His peace. I felt His strength. But sometimes it's, it eludes me, and I, I get mean, I get angry. Isaac, I, Isaac. I, I wanted to call in just to. Amen. I wanted to call in because I listen to you guys all the time. Well, we're going to pray for you, Isaac. God is great. God is good. God is powerful. God Amen. Is glory. Mm. Hey, hey, Isaac, can you hear me? This is Bert. We're going to pray for you. But let me tell you, listen to this, and everybody listening, write the name Isaac down. Would you bombard heaven right now for Isaac, asking God to fill him with his Holy Spirit? You said you know God. I'm trusting that you're saved, Isaac. If you're not, call on the name of Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I'm lost. I have no hope apart from you. You died on the cross, and I'm asking you right now to forgive me of my sin and come into my life and bring your presence, his presence. Isaac, listen to this. This is secret. His presence brings power and peace. They accompany his presence, and we're going to pray for that right now. Is that all right, Alex? Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray for Isaac. Go ahead, Alex. You take it away now. Father God, I lift up Isaac to you, and Lord, his name means laughter, and laughter speaks of joy. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this man and give him a spirit that matches his name, joy, laughter, happiness, because you've promised that if we keep our eyes on you, that you will give us the peace that passes all understanding. He has served this country. He's a veteran. And yet he's got PTSD. So in Jesus' name, I I speak peace into his life, uh, that you would remove all the darkness, 
anger. Lord, let him know that you love him very much and that you have great things for Isaac. And Lord, all across America, people are agreeing in prayer. And I pray for the peace and the joy of Jesus to flood his heart and soul beginning even right now. In Jesus' name we pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Isaac, for calling. And we are praying for you. Thank you. Check back with us in a couple of days, Isaac. Please do. Now, Alex, you set this up. We go from Isaac to Jacob. What do you think about that? (laughs) Wow. Uh, This is a program, I believe, led by the Holy Spirit. Jacob Jacob in Arkansas, we're honored to hear from you. Hi, guys. Uh, I uh, had a question about Psalms 139. Uh, We were going through it this Sunday, and it had the part where, you know, David talks about, God knew him when he knit him together in his mother's womb. But then right after that, he says, when he put my bones when they were in the earth. And I was wondering what y'all's thoughts were on that. That was a little bit confusing for me as I was going through it. Let me mm-hmm. let me set this up, Alex, and you do the details. God is an amazing God that the present and the past, present, and future, there's no such thing with God far as him and his active and and i think david got a picture of that go ahead yeah uh this is psalm 139 14 and 15 i will praise thee for i'm fearfully and wonderfully made do you know um let me let me say this we develop in our mother's womb and here's really some um uh you know gynecology that uh the psalm writer probably wouldn't have known it took medical science centuries to to catch up to it um, my substance was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. And it talks about his members being fashioned in the mother's body. Well, for one thing, you know, we are made like of the dust of the ground. And we we grow in our mother's womb. But what it's speaking of really, Bert, is that, you know, just like it says, the first man, Adam, was from below. The second Adam was the Lord of heaven, is the Lord of heaven. We are made from the things of earth. We are of earth. Now, we also can be of heaven as we are born again through Jesus Christ. But but it's not really a conflict there. We're not conceived and gestated underneath the ground, but the very same elements of this earth that make up dirt are what make us up. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Jacob. Alex, time has run away, but Linda from Louisiana, if you look at her call, it says, does the Bible address animals being sick and us putting them to sleep? It is it a sin. Alex, uh, animal life is different than human life. It's not on the same level, is it? No. Um, the Bible says a wise man regards the life of his beast. In other words, we are to treat animals humanely. And Linda, oh my goodness, this farm boy loves animals. Sometimes, though, if an animal's in pain, I actually think, hard as it is, it might be humane to euthanize an animal, although it certainly is not easy, is it, Bert? It is not. Animals did not become a living soul, not the way the Bible. They have that psyche. They have their personality, but they are uh, the creation under humans. So, Linda, we hope that helps you. We're going to try to get to more calls tomorrow. I'm excited about Proverbs chapter 2 tomorrow, Alex. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.